to take my journals from the last, since I started getting sober 2015 um, and transfer them to a blog. So people can see, you know, I just posted a blog yesterday where I'm talking about my sobriety and how things are going. And this is 2018. Um, and then a few months later, you see I am writing and I'm not sober and I'm like questioning, is this really how I'm supposed to feel? Cause I feel amazing. Um, and then you see, you know, the post where I'm not feeling amazing from not being sober and, and there's really no like way to explain this is how I did it and what I did because there's every day was different. But yeah, I was literally awake since Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Until I finally fell asleep at like 10 a.m. this morning. That's crazy. That sounds like me, though. I know. I, I'm like that, but I'm like, man, he's always up. I'm always up, but he's always up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm literally always up, you know, and I was, <clears throat> yeah. I, and, I, and I texted two people this morning to cancel with them, but I didn't text you because I still anticipated coming in this afternoon and talking to you. So that's why I didn't text you and I texted them because I wasn't going to make it in at 9, 10 a.m. to do this because I was basically drunk. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I drove I drove over here at 7 a.m. to turn on the lights for my tortoise so like his day could start and I wouldn't feel guilty that he didn't have sunlight. And I felt drunk driving over here like and I was like, well, I'm going to go home. So, yeah. But when I woke up and I saw your text, I was like, oh, good. She still wants to talk. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully she's free by the yeah. time I get there. So my my brain was like, okay, he didn't relapse, so I don't have anything to panic about. I said, I bet he's asleep. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. If I would have relapsed, it would have been a while ago. <laughs> news wise, like I, I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, there's been so many like not bad news, but just shitty things that come up. You know, it's fucking life. And I don't need to relapse. Like, that's the one thing, like, someone posted in a group that I'm in, like, an addiction group, and they're like, so um, what did you learn about yourself and your sobriety in this year? You know, one of those things. And I wrote that I learned that I can literally get through anything and still not get drunk or get high. I had already had the assumption that I could do that, right? You know what I mean? Like, I already had an assumption that I could get through hard shit, but I'd never been tested. Like, and I, I've been tested, you know, with death, but not tested with, like, shit that's really out of your control, like, you know, Mikey's disease, you know, Mikey getting sick, you know, that's completely, that's different than death, in my opinion, because that's, like, lifelong disease that we have to try to figure out and manage for her. So, at death, it's almost easier to get over than having, you know, your best friend and loved one and significant other you know, get diagnosed with a lifelong disease with no cure, you know, and I feel like it was, it's easier to get through death than that kind of shit. Cause it's more final, right. You know, like death is final. Um, and once you can like kind of, you know, learn how to deal with grief to understand that literally you can't do shit about it. The person's gone, unfortunately. And all you can do is, you know, live their memory on in a positive way. And, you know, tell people about them and tell stories about them and let them live on through your stories. Um, like my studio is John Johnson Memorial studio. It's for my best friend. And I just like saying his name, you know, and getting his name out there and just, you know, he wasn't a drug addict or anything. He was one of the hardest working guys. I know he just got into a bad car accident, you know, almost 10 years ago, It'd be 10 years in June. So, you know, it's about just honoring their memory. But when there's somebody that's sick next to you, all day, every day, and you hear them groaning in pain and suffering, and you just know that you can't do shit about it. It's pure agony for me, you know. And you know, I'm sorry if she's listening, um, but it's it is pure agony for me sometimes um, because I can't. I'm helpless, you know. But I, I I know that if I get drunk, it's not going to fix her MS. It's not going to make her feel better. If I get fucked up on pills, it's not going to make her feel better. I mean, if she took the pills, it might hurt feel better. <laughs> but she never was into Oxy anyway, so that wouldn't work out for her. Like, we, we are so glad we met after our runs because we feel like if we would have met in addiction, we would have been completely toxic for each other. Yeah. 
you know, we would have co-signed each other's bullshit. We would have been like, yeah, do that, yeah, and just been a horrible, toxic couple. So, you know, timing. Life is definitely about timing. You know, that's something I've been learning, too. Shit, our timing, meeting each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, perfect timing, because I feel like you needed a boost, you know, with your content and what you were doing and doing more with it. And I feel like you definitely got that boost. Yeah. Like, you, you think so, too? Because we first recorded back in, what, October, November? Yeah, A couple November. months ago. Yeah. So, and since then, how have you been feeling, like, with your sobriety and what you've been doing? Amazing. I don't know that I would be, so, like, sober without the community that I have. Yeah, wow. you're literally building your own community with, like, your women and even, like, meet your guys, you know, that you're friends with. Yeah, I met some amazing people. I was actually on my Facebook Live crying the other day because I I just, like, it was happy tears. I'm like, I met so many amazing people on this app, and then there's the rest of you who just suck, but, like, my life's been changed. Yeah, it really, like, I definitely have felt a shift in, like, you know, my confidence and my sobriety in a good way in the last, like, five or six months. Ever since I've been putting myself out there more and meeting people like you and, you know, having fun conversations like we did with all, you know, the girls a couple weeks ago and, you know, and doing fun, weird, creative shit like that. Like, that's it's keeping me going all the time. Like, I so enjoy doing this because, like, it keeps me sober. Like, there was a girl texting me at, I don't know, midnight, but 11 o'clock at night last night, and she was in England you know, like 4 a.m. and she watches my show and she didn't want to drink anymore and she wanted help. She wanted resources. She's 21 years old and she's like, I've been drinking for three, four years and I want to stop and I don't know how. Or she said, yeah, she said, I need to stop. And I was like, damn, at 21, I knew I needed to stop. So I found pills instead. (laughs) So you're way ahead of the game. Right. You're (laughs) early. Yeah, when alcohol stopped working for me, I'm like, where are the opiates? let's get this going and she was like yeah i just i want to stop i'm like that's good and she's like i don't want to be a burden though i'm like listen that we need this like us being sober we need people like you to keep us sober we need the new person to help out each time because we see ourselves in that person and we want to help you because it helps us stay sober so you're never going to burden somebody like in the rooms if you go into a meeting and say, hey, I need a sponsor, like, can someone help me? You're going to have women flock to you like crazy to help you. I, and I told her, I said, please go to an all-women's meeting because you're 21 and there's going to be men that are going to try to take advantage, unfortunately. And I want you to make sure you get this right and you do this right. So please find an all-women's meeting. And then she didn't know how to do that. So then I found her meetings in UK and where she lives in the UK. I found her AA meetings and then sent her over a sober coach that I interviewed a few weeks ago saying, hey, hit her up, too, because she's doing a dry January challenge. So, yeah, you know, it's shit like that. Have you had people reach out like that yet? Um, About sobriety? No. About um, about healing from my sexual abuse and my traumas. And, like, it all ties in together, though. So Oh, it does, yeah. To take my journals from the last, since I started getting sober, 2015, um, and transfer them to a blog so people can see, you know, I just posted a blog yesterday where I'm talking about my sobriety and how things are going, and this is 2018. Um, And then a few months later, you see I am writing and I'm not sober, and I'm, like, questioning, is this really how I'm supposed to feel? Because I feel amazing. Um, and then you see, you know, the post where I'm not feeling amazing from not being sober. And, and there's really no, like, way to explain this is how I did it and what I did. Because there's, every day was different. Every day is different still. Yeah, and it should be different, you know, because we deal with different things. If you're having the same problems every day, then you got to change up where you fucking go. <laughs> you got to change up who you're seeing and who you're talking to if you're having the same problems every day. So there's always going to be different challenges along the way, especially in, like, this isn't a one-time thing, like, oh, yeah, I got it, I'm done, like, check out, I'm good to go now. There's always going to be obstacles and things, like, 
New Year's Eve. You know, this episode's coming out, you know, a couple of days later in January, but, you know, it's New Year's Eve when we're talking right now, and it's the biggest part. Like, I remember, vaguely remember, <laughs> vaguely remember, but I remember, you know, my first real drunk, blackout drunk, was on New Year's Eve when I was in seventh grade. That was my first ever, like, blackout. Like, I did, like, eight kamikazes in a row. Like, you know, you know kamikazes, right? Like, the, yeah. yeah, triple sec or whatever. And line, yeah. But I was doing them in, in cups. My dad was making pictures of them. My dad was, like, the kamikaze king back in the day. My parents so- are not, they're not alcoholics, but they know how to party, right? Um, and so my dad, he, when he would go to the bar, they would have him go behind the bar to make the kamikazes. And they called them floaters, the way my dad made them with the limes. They called them floaters. But my dad would make pictures of them for New Year's Eve. And so I had, you know, family that are like, oh, yeah, you're cute. You want a drink? You can, here, have one. And then another family, here, have one. Next thing you know, I had eight. And, yeah, that was my first blackout drunk. My first ever smoking weed, exactly a year later, New Year's Eve, with my friend Jesse that, unfortunately, him and I got sober together. And then he overdosed on his relapse um, six months later. Um, I, I talk about Jesse a lot because we grew up sharing a fence. We were backyard neighbors for 12 years. And I moved around a lot, except for those 12 years. And Jesse and I were always really close. Our birthdays were a few weeks away. And, our, you know, we shared a backyard. So in Jersey, you're talking and we're getting to know each other. And when we both got sober, it wasn't like, hey, let's get sober together. It was... Hey, holy shit, you're in Florida and you're in rehab. I'm in California and I'm in rehab. Let's let's talk. You know, let's talk about this. And then we got really close again. And then, yeah. But I always say that, you know, Jesse taught me a lesson that I didn't want him to teach me. You know, that, you know, he died so I could live. That it's not getting any better out there. Fentanyl is ready to kill me. You know, and it's a lesson that I never want to learn and I never want somebody close to me to teach me, but I have to learn from it or else what was what was the point? You know, um, do you have bad experiences with New Year's Eve, too? No, um, just the typical party. Uh, I do have one instance that sticks out because it's funny. And it was, you know, New Year's Eve 2000 and going in 2009. So I was still on the bars, I think. I'm trying to think, where was I in? I was getting really high on pills. That was when I first discovered pills that October. So I was really high that New Year's Eve. I can't even fucking tell you. Good. I can tell you I I took four, at least four Xanax bars and was just driving all over the city. I went to the police station to pick up a friend. um, And it's just like New Year's Eve, the last few years have been more chill. I've been more, especially having awareness, even if I have drink, um, I know my limits. I don't know, I don't have limits, but <laughs> what, like if I've been drunk, drink, being blackout drunk hasn't been my thing in several years, but yeah. just the experience of, you know, New Year's Eve is the, uh, you know, what is it, the? Ambiance. Yeah, of the whole thing, like. Yeah, I mean, it, you it, there's ways to celebrate it without, you know, drinking. That's the, that's what I've noticed in the last um in the last was it 2019 was my first time I was sober for New Year's Eve and since like 6th grade. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking like fucking 1998 to 2019. It was the first time I was sober on New Year's Eve. And then the next year I wasn't sober cuz I had relapsed. And then the last one I was, and then this one I'm I'm going to be, you know <laughs> I'm not I have no intentions on drinking tonight. Um, you know, for me it's that once I learned that I could wake up not hungover, it was a pretty good feeling for New Year's Eve, like waking up and going, oh cool, like I don't feel like absolute dog shit right now. I don't feel like I have to go to McDonald's and stuff my face with grease in order to kill this hangover. You know, I don't feel like I need to do drugs to kill this hangover. I don't need I don't need to drink more right now to kill this hangover. You know, I had never not been hungover on New Year's Eve. It was and I don't sleep. We know this. So, like, you know, I would get hammered until like 4 a.m. 
and then wake up at fucking 6.30. Be like, I, I, I guess my day has started, you know, because I can't fall back asleep because fucking insomnia, you know. So, yeah, I I am so over that whole, like, it doesn't serve me anymore. It doesn't yeah. make me feel good anymore. It makes me feel bad. Now that I'm, like, 35, like, last time I had a drink, I was 33. Is 33? 2020? Yeah, I turned 34 that year. Yeah, so it was 33, and I, yeah, I don't, I'm not completely healthy, but I'm definitely a lot healthier than I was a couple of years ago. I mean, I haven't had a drink. It'll be two years, February 29th, which doesn't exist this year. I know, um, I that in your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't get to, I don't get to celebrate my sober date, except for once every four years. But that's why I picked it. And not that I picked it. It was like I woke up hungover on, on leap day, right? And because and my wife and I, we were drinking together. Not like alcoholically. Um, right. we, were, we were being safe when I relapsed because I was so indoctrinated with the program that, like, it was going to be hard for me to overdrink. Um, and I didn't for nine months. But then I did. And I drank a whole bottle of Jack in one night. And... Like, I woke up so fucking hungover, and it was, like, 7 a.m., because it's fucking me, and I said to her, like, listen, I need to either never drink again, drink right now, or get really fucking high. And I was like, it's leap day, so it would be the coolest fucking sober day ever if we stopped now. And she was like, okay, I'll quit with you, and then we haven't had drinks since. You know, and quarantine happened fucking two weeks later. What do you think the biggest thing that you want to accomplish is for the new year with your sobriety? And um, basically, not even just your sobriety, but, you know, your recovery. And when I say recovery, I mean recovery from everything. Recovery from trauma and recovery from, you know, addiction. Yeah, because recovery is, you know, drugs and alcohol until it's you take that out and then now i have this blooming this this sex addiction oh but then i also have this eating disorder you know and i still have these things to address so um one of the main things for me is writing i really want to start my book um i have been getting out some of my blogs and i want to do that more consistently have like new writings instead of just keeping things in my head um i want to connect more with people like I want to go see you and I want to go see my friend in Michigan and I have two friends in Michigan and then I have a friend in California and why can't I? I can. You you really can. That's the I thing was, is. You I know. was blowing money on, you know, shots, $8 a shot, you know, a $50 night plus the $40 night plus, you know, $80 out to eat and drinking. You know, it all adds up and I can totally do the things I thought I couldn't do yeah exactly and and the book is just a matter of one sentence at a time where you know it's a matter of starting I feel like writing a book is a matter of just sitting like when I wrote a screenplay I've written a couple and when I started it was the hardest thing to like go you know what I mean for some reason just like going but once I got started there was no stopping me um, and then that was my first one. That was with a writing partner. Um, my second one that I did solo, it was, I outlined everything first in a notebook. Like, you know, scene one is going to be this scene. Two is going to be this scene. Three is going to be this. And then I would go back into scene one and then write the dialogue, go back into scene two. And I wrote the dialogue. So, but you can do that with a book too. I want chapter one to cover these ages. I want chapter two to cover this. I want chapter three. It's it's a good way to at least get yourself putting something on paper to look back on when you start typing. You go, okay, chapter one's going to be about this this year. What was I doing this year? And then you start going. It's just a matter of spilling your guts and then letting an editor go. You don't need that part. You don't need. Yeah, we'll take this part out. You don't need this part. This part's great. You know, like I think that's the biggest thing is starting. And it's the yeah. same as it's the same as like addiction. You know, I have this old timer that comes to AA meetings and he's like, I didn't quit anything. I haven't I've never quit anything a day in my life. I just stopped starting. I don't know how to quit, but I know how to stop starting. 
And I was like, oh, shit, that makes a lot of sense. But you can also use that, like, that thinking with, I just need to start this shit. And it'll get momentum. And it'll get rolling. Because that's the problem with addiction is it gets momentum. And it gets rolling once we start again. Once we start again, we're like, well, I'm back to zero days. And that countdown's back at zero. I might as well keep going. And then it right. rolls. But that momentum goes, right? So it's it's the same. It's when you start something, you're going to get momentum. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. I, I just think once you get some momentum going, you're going to be in the right spot. It's the same with your sobriety now. It's the same with your TikTok page. It's the same with your blog. you got to get momentum going, right? And as soon as you do, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is actually easier than I thought. It's just a matter of getting out of our fucking heads to take that block away to actually start something. I I was so upset with myself. I'm typing like 2017. I'm like, oh my gosh, all these things that I manifested for myself in sobriety are coming now to psych in cycle. But why the hell haven't I been doing this before? It's so easy. Like, yeah already done the work i just need to type it <laughs> yeah, that's what i mean like you've already lived it you just it's just a matter of starting to type um which can be the hardest thing starting something is a very you know especially something like that where i think it can be intimidating i know it can be intimidating when i when i sat down to write my first script um it was it was called hybristophilia um, you probably would be in, you probably have hybristophilia, honestly. Um, I actually, I know you do. Hybristophilia is the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome where you're attracted to somebody because of them doing bad shit. Um, and so I wrote this story about this couple that were con artists together back in the eighties. And like this guy was conning this rich family and this teenage daughter caught on and was like, either I'm telling my dad or you're t I'm running away with you and you're going to teach me everything you know. And, you know, and the story is from her perspective with like the woman's perspective of what's going on. And the voiceover is a woman's voiceover the entire time because it's a Tarantino thing. I love how Tarantino puts things from the women's perspective, like with Mia and Pulp Fiction and, you know, Kill Bill and. He's all about showing that um, Jackie Brown, um, showing women's perspectives. So that's kind of where I got that from, because I learned how to write by listening to interviews from Quentin Tarantino talking about writing. That's how I learned how to write. I wasn't going to go to school for it. I just watched interviews and I watched my favorite movies with the commentary on so I could hear why the directors and why the writers made their decisions they made. And that was my film school to write. <laughs> so it's not the most professional thing, but, you know, it worked for me. But the hardest part was like, was like, oh, shit, when is this going to end? How is this going to end? And then you get caught up in your head about the ending and you didn't even fucking start it yet. You know, yeah. it just just start. It's just a matter of starting and it'll work itself out sometimes. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of things for that goes for a lot of things in life, you know, whether it's me starting this podcast, you starting a book, you starting a TikTok page, you starting your blog back up, which, by the way, I'll put the link to your blog in the description. So whether you're listening or you're watching and if you want some more info on Chrissy's journaling from her years of drinking and not drinking and her madness, <laughs> it'll be in there. Yeah, I mean, we're talking we're talking men that have been in and out of my life since I've been divorced, like traumas that I've accrued from my addiction. Accrued, yeah. Yeah, you definitely know. accrued. 
<laughs> you acquired, accrued. Same difference. Same difference. You know, so, um, yeah. So, with the, do you think it would be easier if you made an outline for yourself? No. No? You think you just need to start? Yeah. You I'm one, fucking start I'm, typing. Yeah. I can't compartmentalize. I can't even say the word either. Compartmentalize. Um, <laughs> I can't, you know, I just, I want to have everything. I want to see it. And I want it. Then I want it put it how I want it but I want it all out there like it's kind of like you know when you're well I don't know if anyone else has this trauma response you overshare when you meet someone right away but in a good way like I want yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, find, to- I find it important though I find it important sometimes that, like it depends on the situation but like even when I started dating in sobriety like when I started dating again, it was through like, you know, Tinder and Bumble and shit. It was in my bio. Hey, I'm in recovery. You can drink. I don't care, but I'm not going to drink. But I can hang around with you. It's not going to bother me. I'm just not going to drink. Um, and I'm 420 friendly, you know, because I I use that medicine as a way to stay sober. Um, and I would make sure to, hey, did you read my bio? Okay, cool. So you saw I'm sober? Like off the bat get it the fuck out of the way because I didn't want to all of a sudden meet somebody and go through that whole thing of getting to know you bullshit and then meet them like, Oh, you don't drink. Oh, this is a waste of time. This isn't going to be fun for me. And then I, as opposed to you would just swipe left on me and be, we're not, we're not going to waste our times. You right. know, I don't, you know, that's helped. Yeah, that is help. there. So I guess it was not healthy for me because I would say, Hey, my name's Chrissy, and these are all the reasons I'm going to tell you you shouldn't like me, because at the end of this, if you get to know me and decide you don't like me on your own, I can't have that. I made the choice right away that you don't like me, because I shared all these bad things, but but it is important, you know, to let someone know where you're, where, where they align at with you, you know? Well, have- so when you were doing that, when you were like, you know, um... When you were saying to be, when you were oversharing like that, what did some people react to it negatively? But you had to have had some people react to it positively, and they're probably still in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it's yep. it's kind of like the way of like, like I'm gonna figure out right now if we're gonna be friends or not. So here's all the darkest shit about me, and if we can still be friends, then let's move on from there. So I don't right. think it's I think I think the problem is the opposite, Chrissy. I honestly think the problem is the people that hide their shit and then let me find out that, you know, you're a piece of shit later on, you know, and then I'm going to be pissed that you deceived me and you put this mask on. I'd rather, you know, it's almost like, do you watch Bob's Burgers? No, I watch I'm, nothing. I'm obsessed with Bob's Burgers, but there's one Valentine's episode where they're doing speed dating and the one guy is like an old disgruntled cop that's divorced. And he's like, I know we're going to tell each other the worst things about each other. And if you can stomach it and if you can handle it, then it's going to be OK. <laughs> so on these speed dates, they're just like saying all the worst shit about their histories to each other. <laughs> and that's what it reminds me of. They're just getting it the fuck out there. They're just like, here it is. Here's who I am. It's, uh, you know. There's that song, Take Me or Leave Me, you know, the Broadway song. I think it's from Rent. Um, I'm probably wrong, and my gay friends are yelling at me right now listening to the show. Um, but Take Me or Leave Me is definitely from a Broadway show. And it's that's what I think of. is like, listen, I am who the fuck I am. You know, I'm a sober dude that loves talking about being a sober dude. I use cannabis, but I don't smoke it. And you wouldn't even know I fucking use it unless I told you I use it. You know, and I like to chill and just, like, get the note. Literally, that what I do for us for these interviews is what I just like to do in general is get to know people. I enjoy the process of talking to somebody so fucking much and being like, "Where are you from? How did you grow? What did you like?" I fucking love it. It's people like you or why I'm sober right now because you give me someone to talk to all the time and someone to communicate with and you know resonate with like you and i probably couldn't be any more different but also so much the fucking same right you know like totally fucking different in a lot of ways however you and i both know how much we are alike 
the fans don't even know how much we are alike, but you and I know we're 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 almost the same person, but we couldn't be any more different. And that's what's so fucking cool about doing this is you find yourself in other people that you never would think that oh shit, I'm like them. That's like me too. How have you how have you felt watch because I know you told me you've been watching episodes lately. Um, ever like in the last like week or so, you were like, "Oh my god, I just watched this one, or I just watched that one." Like, what what have you been seeing? Have you been seeing yourself a lot? Yeah, I have. I get excited. Um, it like it. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like when I hear someone talk about something, it lights something up in me. It's like, "Oh my gosh!" Or I'll remember something. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to your episodes the last few days at work. I didn't say that. Oh, but the last few days while I'm working. Um. It was in the background. You were barely watching or listening. You know, you were working really hard. Or I got really excited when How I Met Your Mother Sober, like, because I just listened to her episode. And then she liked one of my posts, like, this morning or last night. And I'm like. Oh, I love Jules. Yeah, I'm like, girl, I know your, like, story now. I feel, like, this connection with people that I've never known. I even have goosebumps right now talking about it. Like. You know, people I've never known, but they just fit right into my life and my alignment where, like, when I was on TikTok and we found each other when I was on live, you know, like, I was yeah. doing the thing at the right time. And that's how life is continuing. Yeah, if you weren't, yeah, if you weren't on your live, you know, I, you probably never would have, you know, because I'm not the kind of person that, you know, is going to, you know, your account's a little bit of a bigger account on TikTok, especially and the DMs, they get lost in those big accounts. You know what I mean? Like on TikTok, I wasn't even going to attempt to DM you, you know, but I knew some of your story from seeing your posts. And I saw you were live and you were interacting with people in the comments. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to ask her to do the show and just learn about it then, you know? And you're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, cause I like going in blind. You know, if you're listening or watching this, know that majority of my episodes, the first time I'm talking to that person, unless I started off with long time no see or, you know, I'd known you since blah, blah, blah. Like, if they're a stranger, I don't know shit about them. I don't want to do research on them. I don't Google their name. I don't look for mugshots. Like, I want to organically find out information in the moment. I I, I, I don't like to read questions off of a fucking sheet. I don't like to do pre-interviews. I like organic. Like, the other day, I had um Happy Sober Free. I don't know if you know her page, Emily. She's fucking awesome. And um, she's out in Arizona, but she's a Wisconsin girl. And I had other Wisconsin people on the show, three actually. And all three are authors. And she's an aspiring author. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was in Madison. I was like, oh, I my guy was in Madison. My guy, Travis Sackett, he's been on my show twice. He's a cop to criminal. She's like, oh, my God, I was in rehab with him. Wow. Swear to God. Yeah. Swear to God, they were in rehab together like eight years ago, and they're that still is, friends. And they're still friends to this day. It it's kind of like um, for me, I you know you want to have your old friends from the past. I don't know if you saw any of my Instagram or TikTok today. I shared about um, two of my friends who I had a falling out with when I got sober, who died a few weeks later drinking and driving. In all of no, our I last, well. You know, I lost a lot of friends in my journey, a lot, not only to death, but just changing it up. And one thing that always stuck with me is I obviously I like to read um, a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, I think, is the book. I think, but I could be wrong. But pretty much for the last, since 2014, I've been telling myself, okay, you are made up of the five people you hang out with the most. You make an average of those five people's incomes. You're an average of the five things you listen to, the five things you watch. And and it all sounds good. But when you actually, like now I'm sitting, like a couple weekends ago, I'm sitting in a room with Trashly Anonymous, okay? And she's sober, recover, recovering. Um, Katie, who just published her second book in four months. Tiffany, who just started, like, I'm now having to level up, and it's it's scary as hell, because it's like, you are who you hang out with, you know, then there's you, you have a podcast, you're doing big things, like. You, yeah, but we, we, no, but they need you like you need them. We need you like you need us. 
yeah, but it's causing me to level up and it's what I've been manifesting for years. You know, when I look around me, I'm seeing people that like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not going to get, a, I'm not going to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I'm not going to drink till 5.30 in the morning on St. Patrick's Day anymore when I could be typing or doing something or, you know, even hanging out on a live. Yeah, you never would have had that kind of moment or moments that you had a couple of weeks ago at that hotel had you had still been drinking. Not at all. Wouldn't have an even, wouldn't even have a TikTok. Wouldn't even have good connections. I mean, I can like, I was happy crying on live the other day about how much, you know, it's meant to me to truly be your in blog, Your blog is proof of that, Chrissy. Your blog is proof of that, you know, from what you told me already without even having to read it. You can look back and see the madness of when you would drink and then not drink and then drink again and then it'd be good. And then it's, you know, alcohol is like that toxic relationship that you want to find the good parts in and you you know you're like oh well this was good and that was good and it's like yeah but bitch don't forget this this that this 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 that this 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 is that this and that and you're like oh yeah that's right it is you have to like do that with toxic relationships whether it's men women or alcohol or drugs you know i was talking to one of my really good friends the other day and they were saying how they kind of missed an ex and how that, and I know how like emotionally abusive that ex was. So I was just like, you don't forget this. But they were like, yeah, but this, and then that, and then this, and then that, and then this. And I'm like, hey, I can play this game too. When I was on pills, I had this and that, and this and that, and this and that. But you fucking hated this, 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 and that. And that was overpowering all the other stuff. And they were like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah. So. <laughs> We got to remember that shit, you know, that toxic relationship. We can find the happy times, like you said in your blog, where you're like, I was happy then, and then I see where I wasn't, and I was miserable. And it's because of that roller coaster ride of that relationship that we have with the drink or the drug is just exactly the same as that a relationship that you have with a man or a woman that's toxic. A lot of great times and a lot more horrible times. And the problem is those great times pop in your head, like little memories, like little core memories, like, oh, you did this. Oh, you did this because of alcohol. Or you did this because of pills. And it's like, yeah, but you did this too. And you also did this. You stole this and you hurt that person. You know, it's just a matter of thinking on both sides of the fence. Whenever those happy thoughts about drinking and drugging come in your mind, you have to be cognizant of that other side of the fence and the less and less you know the le the more times you go to the happy thoughts and you don't revisit the bad thoughts the more likely you are to follow those happy thoughts into a relapse that's why everyone always says you relapse in your head well before you actually put a drink or a drug back in your body it's because we're overthinkers it's because we're empaths and we overthink shit and we take shit personal and then we hurt ourselves with it. Like, shit, my fucking fourth step, your fourth step when you do the steps is all about writing down your resentments. And 75% of my list was against myself because I resented myself so much for my addiction and what I did in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't do it that way. I've had a sponsee hand me a list once and it was like everybody but themselves like on the list. I'm like, you don't resent yourself for anything? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't resent yourself for anything you've done. Oh, well, yeah, I did this and I did that. You know, I didn't like that I did this to my mom or did this to my dad. I'm like, so you resent yourself for that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, write it on the fucking list because <laughs> that's going to be the longest list that you write is the resentments against yourself. And then guess what? When you get to your step nine, when you have to do a make amends, you can go back to your step four with all the reasons you hated yourself and then apologize for them now by linking them to your step nine for amends, you know, and it's just a matter of that's how I did it. I made sure to go back to my four and be like, all right, why did I hate myself for this? Okay. I can apologize for that. I'm not ready to apologize for that. You know, that kind of thing, but yeah. you know, everyone does shit differently, but I, I think it's a matter of just trying and doing is what's most important. Like getting yourself out of that shell, like starting to type, starting to yeah. connect with people, starting to, you know, someone's like, how do you get all these guests from all over? I'm like, 
I messaged them and I asked them to do the show. I don't know. They're like, what? You just messaged them out of the blue? Yeah. Or I comment something on their post or, yeah, it's just simple as that. And they're like, oh, I'm like, you just got to put yourself out there. And then once you do, there are people that are like, you know, because I never would have met Katie or Tiffany if it wasn't for you. You know, you did my show, you posted your episode and then there, because, and it took you like a week, you said, to post your episode because like you were two weeks. Yeah. And then once you did though, and then all of a sudden Katie reached out because then she saw my previous DM, you know, and then Tiffany all of a sudden reached out, literally both of them reached out within like two days of each other. And it was like three days after you had posted, you know, your episode on your page. So it's, it's that kind of thing where, you know, we can introduce each other to other people too, you know, and that's how our circle kind of grows in this sobriety. And we do make our own recovery. You know, people think that recovery is like, oh, you have to do only AA or only NA or only the steps and it won't work unless you just do that. Not fucking true. You know, I've gone years without a meeting, but I've also I love meetings, so I encourage them. Um, But still, you can stay sober without a meeting. I don't like Zoom meetings, so I didn't do them during COVID. Um, And I was able to stay sober you know, for a year and three months before I even opened a meeting center without one meeting. So that tells me everything I need to know about how meetings keep me sober or not. You know, they're helpful and they're supportive, but they don't need me to be sober. I just need to have people in my life like you, my wife, and the fucking 90 other people I've interviewed in the last six months. Because yeah. majority majority of those people I'm still friends with. And I still talk to you all the time. They share my shit. I share their shit. You know, like like I said, that guy Travis that I mentioned, you know, that ha- like him and I talk all the time. He's been on my show twice now, you know, and we literally were always chatting with each other, like in DMs about whatever's going on with sobriety and, you know, different kind of shit. Like it's those kind of relationships that are what keep us sober for so long. Like you said, it's the people around us. When we start getting the people around us that are going to average us down and then now we're going to go out and party all the time and now we're going to go out and use drugs again, you know, as opposed to you're around people like that are writing and aspiring to write or they're telling their story or they're doing a podcast because Tiffany just started her podcast and it's fucking awesome. Way more professional looking than mine. <laughs> and she said she has like a, somebody that does like everything like in a studio and helps her with that. I'm like, okay, good. I feel a lot better. So I'm like, damn girl, like what the fuck? <laughs> I know. How am I so far behind you already? Like <laughs> she's like, no, no, I have help. Don't worry. It's not me. And I'm like, okay, I guess I feel a little bit better. She's like, yeah, this guy has his own studio and he's fucking awesome. I'm like, okay, that's kind of what I hope to do. Cause I want to do multiple podcasts out of here. I want to help other people get their podcasts going, you know, cause I, I love doing this and I, I love like uh, the Jules, you know, the girl from Philly, um, the, how I met my sober mom. That's what it is. You know, I was, was it her or no, Krista, Krista living sober. I was on her podcast recently and, but she's had a lot of questions on like how to do YouTube, how to do TikTok, and how to incorporate like the show. And they're like, I love, you know, helping people. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry for asking. I'm like, no, ask me. I love, I have all this information. I want to be able to give it to somebody, you know, like it, it helps me to help you. So please fucking reach out. If you're watching or listening and you need support in either staying sober or with trauma in your past, Chrissy and I want to hear from you. Like, yeah. this is what keeps us sober is getting those random messages in the middle of the night saying, hey, I follow your shit and thank you so much for what you do because I really appreciate it. Like, that shit means a lot to, I know me. <laughs> it means so much to me. It's, you know, it's humbling and it's also, it's it's not, it's easy to look at someone who's actually doing the work and saying, reach out to me. It helps me to help you. Other than when I was in addiction, I've always been like, I used to be a social worker, so I've always wanted to help people and I would do so much for them to avoid doing my own work, but it's so different when you're doing the work and, um, you know, someone's reaching out to you and you can help them and you can help them because you've been there or you're coming out of there 
instead of just saying, I know what to do, because that used to be me. I know what to do and the steps for you to take and play out, but I'm not doing it myself. Yeah I, yeah, I know how to give you direction, but I don't know how to follow my own direction. So, I yeah, just I, track. <laughs> No, no, that, no, I know that makes sense, though. It, what you're saying makes sense to me is that, you know, because I feel that same way. I know how to tell somebody to quit something, but I still smoke a pack a day almost. You know what I mean? And I know I need to quit smoking cigarettes. The problem is I don't want to stop smoking cigarettes. So I won't be able to quit until I actually want it. You know, I know I need to. I know it's unhealthy. I know that I cough. You know, I have a smoker's cough because I've been smoking now 22, 23 years. You know what I mean? Like, in addiction, all through my 20s, I was smoking two packs a day. Um, because when you're on pills, you're just like, you're monkey fucking your cigarettes all day long. Like, <laughs> for people that don't know, it's when you light one cigarette with the other. It's butt to butt monkey fucking. Um, so that's what we called it in Jersey. I don't know about in Ohio, but when we light one with the other, it's, we called it monkey fucking. So no, we love saying it. But yeah, that's, that's what I was chain smoking. I was living in an apartment where I could just smoke in my apartment and I was just ridiculous burning holes. Like even the shorts I'm currently wearing are from my addiction years. And I'm looking at four different holes on them in the crotch area. Which is about on par with all my clothes from addiction. These are just the last of the Mohicans when it comes to my shorts that are from addiction. All the rest of my clothes are gone by now because I've been clean for a while, you know, because I wasn't like dropping cigarettes on my shorts when I was drinking. It was happening from dipping out on pills and Xanax. Yeah. You know, I would dip out and then drop a cigarette and, oh, you know, thank fucking God for fire safe cigarettes. Um, Because I don't know, do you smoke? No. Okay. Cigarettes before 2007, um, they burned a lot of houses down and they ended up making an extra like layer of paper in like 2007 so that it's called, there was a regulation across the country. And so that they're less likely to burn. You know, people used to, back in the day, you could put a cigarette in an ashtray and light it and then watch the whole cherry go back as the whole thing is a long ash. And it, it just burns the entire time until it goes out. Fire safe cigarettes, that doesn't happen. You light it, and if you don't take a drag within a couple like seconds again, it goes out on you. Because they want to make sure you're not going to burn shit down. But it doesn't mean cherries aren't going to burn holes in your shorts. Yeah. So, And I know there's a lot of like addicts that are like, listening or watching, going, looking at their shorts going, fuck. Yeah, he's talking about me. <laughs> because I know all my friends that I used to get high with had holes in their shorts. <laughs> I wasn't the only asshole. So, yeah. and But to go back to what you're saying about the messages, um, one thing that I've, like, kind of taken from you is, well, I was doing it before, but now I feel differently about it. Taking survivor's stories and posting them anonymously. I've had some hate for it, of course. But, you know, when people reach out to you and says, you know, tell their own story for the first time, it's really amazing, especially when you help people step into themselves. Yeah, are you referring to a couple of the people that I had on my show that didn't want their identities showing, um, so I hid them? There's like there was I had two interviews that um are audio only because they didn't want their identity shown. Um, one because of his career, and I I, I personally know him because I met him in um, CA cocaine anonymous meetings out in LA, you know, four years ago, him and I met. And then, um, so, you know, I was cool with him being anonymous. And it's funny because you listen to us, we didn't talk anonymously. You know, anybody that knows us knows who he is, you know, just from his accent and the way he talks, you know? And so it's funny because we didn't try to like hide his voice or anything. I just didn't put up a video of him talking and I just, you know, cut out his name every time we said it. Um, and that was how we did it. And then the other woman, uh, I'm sorry if you're listening, um, but I met her on TikTok. We did a two hour podcast together and she, I then put it out and then I made a promo for it. And then she was like, can you please take it down? Because like, I'm afraid my kid's going to see it. And I'm afraid my kid is going to know what kind of horrible mom I was when he was first born. Even though she was sober 11 years, 
but she talked about how, you know, she didn't remember changing his diapers in the middle of the night because of being wine drunk. And she wasn't like, you know, the kind of drinker that was like going to the bar every night. She was that mommy drinker, right? That it's 5 p.m. to get the wine out kind of drinker. And then she realized what was happening with the drinks eventually when she started realizing that she wasn't remembering changing her kid's diaper in the middle of the night or feeding them. And that scared her enough to finally, when he was like six months or nine months, she, you know, got into a program and, you know, got sober. And now she's still sober to stay. And she had a lot of great stories, a lot of personal stories about where she's from and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I took it down like she asked. Because I'm not, I don't want anyone out there that doesn't, isn't comfortable, you know. Um, but then I went back in and I edited <laughs> And I edited out every single time we made a reference to what state she was in. And we made a reference to the city she was in. We said her name. We took that out every single time. And then I just put like some bullshit like logo over top of it. And I just, no, no, I released it as audio only. I released it as an audio only episode just to get the message out there. And it ended up being still to this day my most listened to episode. Wow. Like, my episode, like, average probably 40, 50 listeners um, per episode is, like, the average. Um, that one has, like, 140. Like. Yeah. And it was, like, 120 in, like, a fucking day. Like, it was crazy. Because I knew her story was powerful, and I knew it was important to put out there. Um, and honestly, I didn't, you know, say, hey, I'm going to do it this way. Um, you know, I just took it upon myself, honestly. People can think whatever about that, but the story was important and no one has any idea who that person is besides me, you know, and I'm not going to tell anybody. So, you know, that to me, you know, it is what it is, but I thought it was important just to have her story out there like that. So, but I'm so glad we have to go talk again and catch up. I know. It's always fun. It is. And I know that you're going to be coming back for more. Because <laughs> this is your second appearance. Oh, we're gonna do a live one. The next one you'll do will be a live one. Okay. Yeah, because Chrissy will visit soon. We're not that far from each other, and when Chrissy does visit, yes. When okay. you do visit, you'll be sitting right here at my desk with me, and yes. yeah, and that will be a you know a live interview for the first time. It'll be fucking awesome. Yeah. So that will be the next next appearance that Chrissy makes, <laughs> which we don't know when that will be. Hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, that will be the next time on. But thanks again. Nope. Thank you.